Hello and welcome to the Swimming Ideas Podcast. My name is Jeff and I will be your host for today. This is episode number 67, Deliberate Practice. That's right, today we are going to be talking about how you can find deliberate practice in your swim lessons and on your swim team and why deliberate practice is an excellent thing that you should be focusing on. We are really we're diving deep into aiming at deliberate practice and it is the sole focus of all of our instruction and all of our lessons, both swim lessons and swim team. Let's look at how you can add it. That's right. We are talking about deliberate practice. And we want to look at how you can add deliberate practice into your swim lessons and onto your swim team. Now, deliberate practice is one of those things that comes out of the 10,000 hours. Uh, It shows up in the, uh, if you don't know it, what the 10,000 hours is, it is the... um, assumption or the belief that if you practice something for 10,000 hours, you become an expert in it. Now, we know that that isn't actually true. We know that uh, 10,000 hours is more of a general guideline and that you can shortcut those 10,000 hours through deliberate practice. And generally, the best way you can get better at something like a skill, um, whether it's playing the violin or swimming, which is what we're going to be looking at here, um, which is a highly technical ability. And most participants in our swim lessons and our swim teams are physically able to actually accomplish swimming well. Um, we're not talking about the difference between a um, general average swimmer and an Olympian here. Um, we're talking about can you learn how to swim well enough to succeed? Um, in a like regional, state, or a local swimming event, and you know there are differences at between the average person and the proficient person, and then the exceptional Olympian. You know, there's there's a big difference there that we're not looking at. We're looking at the more general. How can you go from a beginner to a uh, successful uh, swimmer with technically proficient ability? Um, And we can pretty much get anyone to that point. And that's what this podcast is about, is how do we get the most people swimming the best quickly? And how can we do that fun and effectively? That's that's really our focus here. Um, And deliberate practice is the vehicle through which we provide our instruction. Uh, So the 10,000 hours, you can shortcut that, like I said, by having a master instructor, so a coach or a swim instructor that gives you specific targeted feedback on your swimming uh, to highlight what you need to work on. So uh, it is a combination of self-guided practice. So recognizing what you did and making changes to improve and having someone else watch you uh, or listen to you, you know, whatever it is you're engaging in and uh, give you feedback on your behavior or your 
um, style. So, for example, if someone does a streamline, the master, the coach, will watch the streamline and give feedback on whether or not they achieved the hallmarks of a successful streamline. Uh, I believe that there are three things that are essential to an effective, excellent streamline. Uh, You should lock your thumb. So pancake your hands and lock your thumb. Wrap your thumb around your lower hand so it's locked in. Squeeze your ears with your arms. Now, some people say that you can put the streamline arms behind the head. Uh, That's fine. I mean, as long as you're squeezing the head in some fashion. Uh, And your face is perpendicular to the bottom. So you're looking down. So there should be no up tilted head or down tilted head. Uh, And if those three things are all in place, then chances are the streamline is going to be effective and successful. Uh, So uh, the coach would point that out and give feedback on those things. And then the next opportunity to practice the streamline, the swimmer who was engaging in deliberate practice would listen to the coach. Oh, they said to lock my thumb. So this time I'm going to lock my thumb. They'll do it. And then because they have thought about the the activity they want to achieve, they want to get better at streamline, they've had feedback on how to actually do it, and then they've implemented that change, they are practicing deliberate practice. So um, let's take a look at what is deliberate practice and how can why, why is it important uh, to look at? So first, let's define it. I like to use James Clear from jamesclear.com. There will be links in the show notes here, uh, but jamesclear.com backslash deliberate dash practice dash theory. And it is defined as deliberate practice refers to a specific type of practice that is purposeful and systematic. While regular practice might include mindless repetitions, deliberate practice requires focused attention and is conducted with the specific goal of improving performance. So I want to unpack this a little bit before we continue. Deliberate practice refers to a special type of practice that is purposeful and systematic. So in our swim lessons and the whole purpose, so, okay, swimming lessons ideas is built on the foundation of deliberate practice. Now, I did a podcast episode a while back, I believe it is 26 or 25, called Purposeful Practice, and it is essentially deliberate practice. Um, Our lesson plans for level one, two, three, and four are built around deliberate practice. Our developmental swim team, uh, all the activities and the skills we do are designed around the foundation of deliberate practice. When I write a practice for swim team, I think about what is my deliberate practice going to be for today and how can I craft our activities around finding and maximizing deliberate practice. So I am essentially, when I do um, our lesson plans, when I do our practices for swim team, I'm creating a purposeful and a systematic approach to practicing a skill. Now, um, there are some elements of regular practice which include mindless repetitions. Um, Things like 10 times 
streamlined into position 11. That is, that's something I would call a mindless repetition. Um, it's good for muscle memory. Maybe doing scales on a guitar or a violin is mindless repetition. There's a place for that, um, generally at uh, getting muscle memory going, so you don't have to be uh, thinking as hard for when you're going to put your fingers in a certain place. Doing streamline on the deck like 10, 20 times is mindless repetition into lock your thumb, squeeze your ears, look down. But when we add that, the system to it, when we add the feedback from the coach and where the coach is standing and how they're interacting with the kids and how we structure activities, we're putting in a systematic uh, vehicle for um, creating deliberate practice. So deliberate practice refers to the special type of practice that is purposeful and systematic. While regular practice might include mindless repetitions, deliberate practice requires focused attention and is conducted with the specific goal of improving performance. Focused attention. Um, if you've worked with children, you know it's incredibly difficult to focus their attention on any given task. Uh, that's why we may uh, do a range of different activities, and we break things up into chunks uh, to make them more manageable and focusable. Um, like I said, our, our practices, our swim lessons are designed around providing an opportunity for deliberate practice. So I often use this analogy, tell parents um, when they're asking me about when is my son or when is my daughter going to move up to the next group or level? And my response is generally the same. Um, it is typically, well, we open the door. Um, we can't push them through. We can't drag them through. We're not coaching or teaching swim lessons with the iron fist of dominance where we're screaming at children to turn their head to the side to breathe. No, we are opening the door. We're allowing, through our systems, an opportunity for deliberate practice. We're using our structure and our feedback to provide an opportunity for deliberate practice, and it requires the response of the participant to actually engage in that practice. So um, the definition here, um, it requires focused attention and is conducted with the specific goal of improving performance. The participant needs to choose to give us that attention to the task at hand. They need to be aiming their intent, so deliberately thinking about what they're working on to get better. Uh, and our structure, the way we plan out our swim lessons, the way we plan out our swim team, is really good at allowing that uh, attention. Um, and I'm going to go into some detail here uh, as we continue here, but I wanted to give you a general definition and then a general guideline on uh, what that means swim lessons and swim team. Um, again, deliberate practice. Uh, I'm going to just use that as a reference now from now on. Uh, deliberate practice is, like I said, the foundation of our swim lesson plans uh, and our swim team. Um, if you look at level one for our swim lessons, the skills are go underwater. 
do supported front floats and back floats or glides, supported front glides and back glides, and go underwater completely and then stand up unassisted. The, the, the deliberate practice there is going underwater. Um, it's getting comfortable in the water. Um, so we're introducing skills and games and activities all designed to allow the participant to gradually go underwater on their own. Uh, we've talked about this before, but bake a cake. There's like seven or eight different opportunities to go underwater. It starts with putting your shoulders on the water. Again, we've talked about this in our podcast, the progression for going underwater, shoulders, chin, lips, nose, eyes, and then whole head. Um, each step there is deliberately chosen and introduced to allow people to go underwater in a systematic, slow, gradual fashion. Uh, level two, our core skills, our testable skills, our streamline and move with some coordinated arms for three body lengths uh, on your back and on your stomach uh, and be introduced to butterfly kick. We're deliberately introducing and progressively getting harder um, our glides. So we will have two benches that we begin close together. We'll do the rotation method to keep people moving at all times. And we'll give them tasks like go five times, streamline from one bench to the other. Uh, this time, do it with some arms. We're doing that and giving feedback. Aim your head down. Keep your body straight. Don't jump up in the air. All of our feedback is around aiming at our participants' attention. We want to kind of focus our participants' attention with targeted effective feedback. Um, and we've done a podcast on this as well, effective feedback. Um, there are posts on swimminglessonsideas.com about how to give effective feedback. Um, this feedback is designed to encourage deliberate practice in our participants. We want to get a reaction with the words we say. And to do that, we have to have our language and our structure, the systematic approach to allow deliberate practice is with the way we speak to our participants. So how we're, we're framing our class, how we're framing our swim lessons and our practices to allow for that progressive uh, feedback. Now, when we give feedback and effective feedback, uh, it is designed around uh, getting them to focus their attention. So let's take a look at swim lessons. Um, I've already mentioned the rotation method. Uh, that's how we are uh, doing activities in a circle. So basically, uh, if you imagine a square and the participants are always moving around the exterior of that square. So kind of like circle swimming, uh, but in a much shorter distances and in places where they can stand or cross like a gap where they can't stand. So if you have platforms or benches in your facility, they would be going from one bench or platform to the other. Um, so that would be the rotation method. You can see a lot more information on the rotation method if you go to our website, swimminglessonsideas.com and scroll to the bottom and type in rotation method into the search box. You'll be able to find a lot of um, information about it there, more details, pictures, how it's implemented. 
Uh, we follow a typical or a general, um, I want to call it like format, but it's more like a formula. Uh, it is activity, learning activity, learning activity, and then game. So if you look at our lesson plans for level one, level two, level three, level four, even if you look at our practices for swim team, you'll see that they follow this general formula where you do an intense learning activity, tense learning activity, and then a reset with a fun and effective game. And the games that we play aren't necessarily directly tied to a particular swimming skill, but they are targeted at things like body awareness, moving your body in a coordinated fashion in a correct way for the pool, um, or a challenge like can you manipulate your body to move in this specific motion? Um, and if you're you know if you can do that, you're likely able to move your body and streamline or keep your body straight when you're doing your freestyle. Uh, so an example of an activity activity game would be everyone's going to go five times streamline with kicks from bench one to bench two. Uh, so they would do the rotation method and do five squares. So because they're going from bench one to bench two and then bench two to bench one, they actually do 10 streamlines. And then we're going to do, we're separating the benches a little bit and we'll do three times, so three squares, where they streamline to halfway and then they do arm circles to get them to the other half. So then they're doing a streamline and then doing some freestyle strokes. Uh, that would be the activity, and throughout each attempt, the swim instructor in the water would give feedback on each attempt uh, that the swimmer did. So when they crossed from bench one to bench two, the instructor would be standing right there and say, Billy, great job. Remember next time to put your head down, look at the bottom of the pool. Or, you know, well done, Johnny, with your kicks. Make sure that you don't jump up in the air. Instead, start low in the water and then the instructor can demonstrate like arms out in front of you face in the water then push off which is our front glide script so uh, which you can get on our website as well swimminglessonsideas.com so i mean everything that we have kind of builds into this how do you give effective feedback how do you use scripts and language and direction and format to get deliberate practice that's our aim and activity, activity. So that would be the second activity. And then if we, we did that, typically at that point, our swimmers like mental, because they're, I mean, at this point, they're three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They're mentally exhausted. They've been doing five to 10 minutes of straight skill and activity work, which can be somewhat boring. Um, we try to make it fun. I mean, it is challenging. It is interesting. There's movement, there's speed, there's feedback, there's engagement with the instructor. Um, you know, we can uh, change the volume and the pitch of our voice to make it more interesting and dynamic. But uh, it's good to kind of reset with a fun, interesting activity. And that's where our swim lesson games come into play. And our swim team games come into play. And that's when we do a fun and effective game, which I wrote a whole book about called How to Create Fun and Effective Swim Games, uh, which follows a very simple formula that you can use to create them on the fly in your own program. It's available on Amazon. I believe right now it's 99 cents. So uh, get it if you want. 
but you can play a game or a challenge. Recently, I've been really deep into challenges. Uh, and the challenges might be something like uh, spin around in a circle with your whole head above the water two times, not touching the floor or any other object. So it's kind of like treading water. Or do a front float, roll, turn it into a back float, and then roll back on your stomach for a front float, and then do a flip. So it's like a multi-step process, which if we do that kind of like uh, that challenge is basically like a uh, test out for a different lesson program. Uh, So we can get that out of the way in like 10 seconds if we were underneath that other program. Uh, What else can we do? I mean, I mean, there's there's the, the game or the challenge. There's a whole list of them on the website. If you click on swim games, you can see them there. Um, so activity, activity, game, and the game resets their interest. It's kind of a exciting opportunity for the participants to engage in a challenge that is just outside their ability or just at the limit of their comfort. So with a level one group, we might say, okay, your challenge is to pick up a ring from the bench with your feet, with both feet and with one hand and the challenge the stretch is going to be using the hand because they're reluctant to put their face in the water for level two it might be um, doing a somersault uh, because it's an awkward strange scary position and level three it might be uh, go to the bottom and put your belly button your big toe and your nose all on the bottom at the same time and it's difficult to do uh, so that might be the challenge for that level uh, so following that formula, activity, activity, game, uh, allows us to get the energy out and the fun in the game portion and then reset our interest in, and focus and attention on the activity portion. So we can just repeat that formula over and over again, and we are uh, maximizing our uh, deliberate practice. Another way in our swim lessons that we work on deliberate practice is to offer high volume and constant feedback. The instructors are always talking. Um, I mentioned this earlier during the rotation method that the swim instructor is standing right at the completion point uh, or one of the corners of the square. And every time the, a swimmer finishes the activity, the instructor gives them feedback immediately on what they just did. Now the instructor can move around and, and uh, engage in swimmers as needed, but generally if you're standing in this one position, it's a good way to give constant feedback because you're right there at the end point, and you can say, you just did this next time, because they're literally going to go back and do it again, do this. And you can follow up with it. They'll look at you if they're in the habit of hearing from you. Uh, you'll give them a thumbs up or a thumbs down, or you'll tell them, well, that was better, but next time you got to do this. Um, a lot of this is on the instructor. So a good instructor, like you can tell immediately when you go to a swim lesson who a good instructor is. And a good instructor is the person that is talking often. Uh, they are the person that is uh, engaged in constant feedback to their participants and they are telling them 
you did this well, next time do this. You know, you can hear them, you can see them engaged. One of the worst things an instructor or a coach can do is remain silent and not give feedback. Um, even if it's good feedback, you know, they are, you're, they're kids. They want to be told, yes, you're doing what I'm asking you to do. Silence is generally not a good idea. Um, you can give thumbs ups, but we all want like a pat on the back. We want to be told, yes, we're doing well. And that plays into this deliberate practice. It, with the high volume and the constant feedback, we're encouraging or pushing along this deliberate feedback. But if we're silent, if we're not providing feedback, then what reason do our participants have to try harder? Um, it can be very difficult sometimes to have that internal motivation. And if we externally motivate our swimmers by encouragement and using our voice and thumbs ups, then we're more likely to get them to respond to us. Uh, we also play fun and effective games that approach practice sideways. So for example, um, you know, I've talked about this already, but the, the games we play may not have a specific swimming skill directly associated with it, but they're like a challenge that is about a swimming skill or using a swimming skill to achieve a goal. Uh, and then, so it's kind of like coming at your uh, swimming sideways. So if you can do like a flip in the water, you're more comfortable turning your head to the side to take a breath. And that's kind of the general idea with that. Uh, we use a standard language. So I mentioned briefly before the script for front glides. Arms out in front of you, put your face in the water, push off to me, or push off to the bench. That script um, is effective because every instructor uses it. So we have this regular, constant drumbeat of consistent language that allows our participants to expect what's happening next. Um, so it removes some of that hurdle of uh, communication and misunderstanding so that our practice time can be specific and deliberate. Um, we earn our swimmers trust. So we do that through repeated demonstrations of that trust. Uh, for example, if we are standing in the pool and we're asking a swimmer to come to us, we do not back up. That's one of the biggest mistakes you could possibly do. It immediately erodes the trust your participant has in you, especially in someone that can't swim. Uh, make sure that uh, you earn trust, and you can earn trust by always following through in your actions. So with three-year-olds, you earn trust by not forcing them into things. You ask them, do you want to go underwater? And then you follow through on that. If they say no, you don't let them go underwater. If they say yes, you go underwater. Um, so earning trust and keeping it. If swimmers will trust you, they're more likely to listen to you when you give them feedback, and then they'll engage in deliberate practice. Uh, we have a few skills, but they're deep skills. So for example, um, one of the best things about swimming ideas level structure is that it's simple. Level one, go underwater. Level two, glides. Level three, side breathing. And level four, swimming. So generally, if someone doesn't side breathe, they're level three. If someone can't glide, they're level two. If someone doesn't go underwater, they're level one. Very simple, but each skill is very deep. So it's really difficult to do a lot of those things really well. So we're going to really dive deep into these specific skills. And in order to dive deep into them, you have to have some deliberate practice in order to get better results out of it. 
So the more deliberate practice we can instill or allow in our lessons, the deeper we can go into these specific skills. So for example, glide, streamline, front crawl. So simple skill, glide, a deep skill for glide, streamline, lock your thumb, squeeze your look. A simple skill, moving your arms in some fashion. Uh, the deep skill, long position, 11 arms, and then side breathing uh, with a quick breath. Uh, really to both sides. Let's move on to swim team. Um, I don't want to go too much further into this podcast episode because I've been going on for quite a while about swim lessons and circularly talking about deliberate practice. Um, but we will, uh, I want to look at how deliberate practice is baked into our swim team. And there are a few ways that we do it right off the bat. Okay, so first we have our standard routine. And our standard routine for our developmental groups is the 100 IM kick, the 225s position 11. For our developmental two, um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to uh, ignore the specifics here because it's not that important. There's a lot of different places that I've outlined it. And I'm currently writing another book called How to Create Fun and Effective Swim Practices, where the routine is outlined in detail. Uh, it will be on Amazon in a few days um, or a while here, um, hopefully by May. Um, I'm certain it'll be out by May. Uh, but I'm writing this book and it's in there. So and and the book is all about deliberate practice, and which is where a lot of this material is coming from. But the routine is outlined in there. So our developmental one group, our developmental two, in general, warm up, like a small group challenge, small group, and then activity. And the deliberate practice is found in each different stage of our skill of our day. So everything that we do in swim team is aimed at finding deliberate practice in a different way. Before we get in the water, we do a dry land. Our deliberate practice is in paying attention and doing what we're doing well. Uh, before we get in the water, we review how you hold the board for the different kicks, butterfly, backstroke, breaststroke, freestyle. It's to, I mean, that's, Multiple reasons why we do that. One, to uh, get the understanding of what an IM is and what the order is and what the four competitive strokes are. Uh, to teach new people how to hold the kickboards uh, because you have to teach them that. Um, and then an opportunity to review. We review three things for streamline. We do position 11. Talk about how it's difficult, how it is in every stroke. We do all that at the beginning, and each time is an opportunity to get our swimmers to engage with the coaches so that they can practice deliberately getting better at certain skills. 100 IM kick, position 11, streamline. And then we do, we split up into groups, and then we do three times streamline plus something. And this is like the replaceable parts revolution of the industrial era, right? So the assembly line and replaceable parts where you could have one stamped metallic piece that you can put in a million different cars, that, that assembly line feature revolutionized uh, industrial, the industrial world, like the industrial revolution. I feel that same way about this for swimming. So 
three times. So everyone goes three times. We've upped it to five times. So five times because we were doing five times anyways while we waited for the other group to finish. So I've just changed it really to five times mostly. But so it'd be three times. So everyone goes three times. Do a streamline. So there's deliberate practice on streamline. We're calling it out by name. Lock your thumb, squeeze ears, look down. Do a streamline. And then do something. And we can and the replaceable part feature comes into, well, what do you do after the streamline? Three strokes of freestyle with a flip. Streamline plus a flip. Streamline plus two breaststroke kicks. Streamline plus one eleven Y eaten eleven. Streamline plus two butterfly strokes. Streamline plus one fly stroke, no kicking. You know, we can do all these things, which are all aimed at deliberate specific skill attainment and skill work, um, which ties into our de definition of deliberate practice. My, it's not mindless repetition. It's deliberate practice requiring focused attention, aiming at a specific goal to improve performance. So this three-time streamline plus something is the learning deliberate practice phase of our swim practice. And then we do a longer activity immediately after that where they implement that deliberate practice into the actual swimming. So all the, most of the uh, pro, like things that we do in the three times streamline plus something uh, are directly aimed in some fashion on how to improve freestyle, backstroke, breaststroke, or butterfly. So everything that's done during that time frame is about getting better at one of the four competitive strokes. Or maybe it's just streamline. Um, and then after that, if you follow the developmental swim practices on the Trello boards, you can get access to this for $9.99 a month. Uh, right now, I think there are 48 weeks of practices on there. It also includes the, uh, the master skill list of everything we've ever done on Swim Team. So it includes the coaches' challenges. It includes games. It includes three times streamline plus some things. Um, but my point in saying this is that you can see our practices where you have the three times streamline plus something and then the skill work, which is the deliberate practice heart. It's like the beating heart of our swim practice. And then immediately after that, we do 225's breaststroke and then 100 freestyle kick. So there's an aerobic component and then there's the deliberate skill component. And one of my favorite things to do at practices is to alternate between Deliberate practice, so shorter distance, high skill work, and like efficient and perfection, and then a longer swim or kick that focuses less on thought and more on uh, yardage uh, to kind of let the body and the mind reset, like a thoughtless activity, like a hundred free or a hundred freestyle kick with fins. Um, or a 100 backstroke kick, or 250s fly kick, you know, something that doesn't require a lot of thought to it. Um, and then we'll do our thoughtful activity as 225s or, or 250s or something. And, and as your, your skill group grows, so at the higher you get in ability level, the longer and longer those deliberate practice opportunities can be. Um, but I would still suggest that you alternate between a mindless game-like activity or aerobic activity and then come back to your deliberate skill set.
So you wouldn't want to do like 1625 sprint um, breaststroke, focusing on excellent pullouts and blah, 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 blah. Instead, I would probably say do four times, 425s, excellent breaststroke sprint, focusing on pullouts and long glides and two-hand touches, and then a 100 freestyle kick because it's kind of the opposite. And then you just do those two four times. So you're still doing the 1425s, but you're doing them at intervals with breaks in between mentally so that you can really put in that hard, deliberate practice in a shorter amount of time so it's not as mentally exhausting. Because if you do the same thing over and over again, like for too long, you get bored, and then you stop trying hard. Um, let's move on. Uh, some things we can do more to focus on deliberate practice. I want to wrap this up, so I'm going a little faster here. Uh, we can use focus keywords. Uh, lock your thumb, squeeze yours, look down. Arm straight, stay on the surface, look down. Um, keep your body straight. Kick faster when you breathe and make it a quick breath. Those are kind of like the nine essentials to effective swimming, in my opinion. Um, and if you really harp on those keywords, then you get really good results in pretty much every arena and every stroke. Uh, also, for deliberate practice, demanding excellence with our feedback. So I'm pretty harsh when it comes to giving feedback, and by that I mean I'm blunt. I'll often say, well, you did your streamline with your head up. That's not streamline. I'm like, don't do that again. That, that wasn't what we're doing. If you're not doing streamline, that's the fundamental basis of everything we do. Um, I'll, I'll tell, say that 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 was not good. You know, you did not do well on that time, uh, and it's not malicious or mean or hurtful. I say it because it's say it, it's following the you did this now do this kind of format. Um, I'm stealing this from conflict. Um, conflict resolution with your peers. So the suggested way that you go about doing conflict resolution is to sit someone down and say, your actions were these. They made me feel this way. In the future, you should do this based on our work. So if you have a problem with someone, the best way to resolve it is to do the statement of what happened and then the expected outcome. So you were late to your shift today. It impacted us because Johnny, Jimmy, and Joey didn't have a teacher and they cried. In the future, I need you to be here on time or you will be fired. So it's the same thing with like swim lessons. You did not do a streamline. That means you didn't do our activity correctly. Next time, lock your thumb and look down and it'll be a good streamline. And then the next time, and then watch. And then if they do it again, they do it correctly, give them a thumbs up or say, you did this this time, that was good, but you didn't do this. So, or you, you didn't do this, but you did do a, you did do that. So well done. Next time also do that. Um, so giving, demanding excellence in your feedback uh, is important for deliberate practice because it's a clear, you're being clear and exact with what you want. So then it's attainable. Um, maybe one of the more frustrating things is that the goalposts are always changing. Once you get good at something, it's like, okay, now we're moving on to the next thing. It's, I'm going to demand even more excellence from you. 
um, uh, our participants look for the thumbs up. So the more praise and feedback you give, positive and negative, the more likely your participants are going to look for that praise. So I make sure that I see everybody go at least one time for our small group activities, and I make an effort to do at least two or three times. But my swimmers are in the habit of after doing their activity, they look for me and they make eye contact with me and I give them an up or down. Sometimes I have to say, sorry, I didn't see it. And they're like, well, watch me next time. Like, okay. Um, But they're in the habit after every opportunity and attempt to stop, look at me and wait for my feedback. And that's because I've demanded that to give them that feedback every time. Uh, So looking for that thumbs up, give them the thumbs ups, give them the thumbs downs and tell them why. Uh, and that's that's an expression. That's an integral part of the deliberate practice. Uh, do your challenges and your engagement uh, that are beyond skill demonstration. Um, we do a question of the day for our developmental two group, and it's a swimming question of the day generally. And I have to make it harder and harder uh, because they know the answers. Uh, but it's challenging them to think beyond just uh, demonstrating their ability in the water, but knowing the answer to things like how many yards are in a 500 yard freestyle or, um, how many yards is it from the wall to the flags or how many, how far are the yellow buoys from the wall? There are 15 meters, even in a yard pool. Um, so challenges beyond the skill demonstration. So challenge their brains, look for engagement, uh, and then strive for perfection. Um, as coaches, as swim instructors, we should know what an excellent streamline and excellent freestyle looks like. And our job is to get our swimmers closer to that image. Um, and del- allowing an opportunity for deliberate practice gives them better chance of attaining that perfect image quicker. I think I've kind of exhausted this here. Um, I've gone through a lot of different examples talked at length on deliberate practice and how we integrate it into our program. I think there's still more to talk about, um, but I'd like to refine it future. What would you like to hear about regarding deliberate practice? What would you like me to go more in depth on? Send me an email, jeff at swimmingideas.com. Uh, connect with me on Twitter or Instagram, swimming ideas, uh, or just comment in the show notes uh, and reply. Love to hear from you. Thank you for listening. As always, uh, you can look at this post and other posts on our website, swimminglessonsideas.com. You can get our lesson plans for $39.99, all digital, uh, levels one through four. There are nine days of Swim America in there. There are five sheets for breaststroke, freestyle, position 11, streamline, uh, backstroke, visual swim skill sheets. Uh, there's developmental swim practices. You can see all of our swim practices that we do. Uh, there's, I think there's like 48 weeks of them right now. Uh, $9.99 a month. All of that available, swimminglessonsideas.com. Check it out. Respond. Follow up with me. Let me know your thoughts. Thank you. And thank you for your time. And tomorrow, we can teach better lessons together. Okay. Mm-hmm.